As I am currently thinking of a new tagline to intro the show, we're just going to roll with this. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. This is your host, Joshua Dolgoff, back for the first Friday show of 2024. Like I said in the last episode, we're going to be uploading Mondays and Fridays. Today, we're going to go back to our roots, kind of format this episode, kind of how I started this podcast back in uh, November of 2020. We're going to have two segments today. We're going to talk about the college football playoff. I want to recap those games as well as preview the national championship and then preview UNC basketball's massive game against Clemson tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about Pitt, but mainly just want to preview the game since the Pitt game was three or four days ago. Without further ado, let's just hop straight into it. College football playoff. Now, at first I want to start by talking about the the Florida State-Alabama controversy with who should have been included. Now that the games are over, I will say, when the decision was made, I was of the mindset that Florida State deserved it. They went 13-0. They fought through adversity. Again, didn't lose a game. You win the ACC, run through the conference. Defense was big time, had first-round talent on offense with Keon Coleman, good running backs. And then they got robbed. There is nothing else they could have done. And I, I feel like the whole argument between most deserved and, and the best four, the, the line is a narrow line to toe. And I don't think they got either of them, to be honest. And I'll get into that in a bit. But I felt horribly for Florida State to not get their shot. Because the committee really just boiled it down to, you don't have Jordan Travis and you didn't show us enough in your last two games to make us feel like you are as good of a team. Because it's true, there was a significant drop-off after Travis went down. But I can safely say, as much as I hate to say it, after these games were played, that the committee did make the right decision. Florida State, again, had a great season. They would not have put up the same amount of fight as Alabama did to the number one team in the country, pushing Michigan to the brink. It took a heroic last drive at the end of regulation and then obviously some overtime uh, to to knock off Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. So I think the committee made the right decision with the mindset of having the best possible games and the and competitive games in the best four teams. I think they were close to that. But on the other hand, best four teams... Georgia was clearly a best four team all year. Just because they lose by a field goal to Alabama, does that mean they're not one of the four best? Well, I maybe not, but they didn't deserve it in my opinion. So it's a really hard uh, thing for the committee to figure out. I know it's tough on them. I know people grilled them. I did include it, but going to the 12 team playoff, I think will make things a lot easier for them. Although I think it should be eight, but that's besides the point. Let's hop into these games. Alabama, Michigan, Michigan, Wins 27-20. to 20. J.J. McCarthy, Jim Harbaugh, and Michigan are going back to the national championship. For the, honestly, I don't even know the last time they were there. But the last two years, they get uh, they get stomped by Georgia. And then they get uh, defensively just, rum, uh, just rushed out of the stadium by TCU's offense as they lost 52-49. to 49. This year was different. This defense was big time. Six sacks on Jalen Milrow. J.J. McCarthy, I will say, had a great game. 20, uh, 17 of 27, 221 yards, three touchdowns. Blake Corum ran for 83 yards. He ran for a touchdown, caught a touchdown as well. Roman Wilson, a couple huge plays at the end of that game. And then again, the defense really suffocating Alabama for a good chunk of this game and then in overtime stuffing Milrow at the three-yard line on that QB draw. 
So to kind of break this game down, I will we'll, we'll look at it from both perspectives. For Michigan, I think they were lucky to win this game. From the mindset of they shot themselves in the foot way too many times. I think the start of the game was, I mean, just set a bad tone. J.J. McCarthy pretty much throwing a pick, but the Alabama corner down, stepped out of bounds. And then you have the muff punt, and then you have another muff punt at your own one-yard line. You shouldn't, as a punt return, you have to know you cannot catch that ball inside your own 10-yard line. You let that ball bounce, even if it gets down at the one, and they get a lucky bounce, you cannot risk a fumble. But we also have to give him credit for holding on to that ball because he got destroyed on that tackle. But he held on. And that helped Michigan go to overtime. Instead, uh, maybe if he doesn't touch it, they get a touchback. They go from the 25, they win it in regulation. Either way, they do win the game. So it's, it's the, uh, if they lose, though, that would have been a huge point. Same with the punt return. Uh, same with the flea flicker play call after you get the fumble. I didn't understand that. I mean, you just had a, a good play for like a play or two ago for 20 yards to, I believe it was to Roman Wilson as well. And then you run the flea flicker. Run the ball with Blake Corum. First quarter, he was putting in work. So I think Michigan made a lot of mistakes, but when it came down to it, J.J. McCarthy and the offense strung together two great drives, one in regulation, one in overtime, and Alabama's offense frankly couldn't keep up. Milrow only threw for 116 yards. They ran for 172 as a team. But the only way Alabama was going to win this game was by dominating time of possession and then limiting Michigan offensively, which honestly, they did both of those things, I think. I don't know what the time of possession split was, but it felt like Michigan just didn't have that many chances with the ball. And and they forced a lot of three and outs. But even while doing both of those things, this Michigan team was too good and they prevailed. Now, looking at it from Alabama's perspective, the reason why I was also a little salty about Alabama making the playoffs is because I don't think they're a top four team. They were a fourth and 31 away from losing to Auburn, who lost to New Mexico State by 21, I believe at home. Obviously, Milrow has the fourth down heroics to Isaiah Bond. And then they go to the, they go to the, uh, the SEC championship. They beat Georgia by a field goal, and then they're in. Also, the cachet with Alabama, this is a good program. I never thought they were national title contenders. This offense didn't have a guy. There was no Devontae Smith. There was no Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry in the backfield. No Julio Jones, no no Amari Cooper. I'm not saying they had to be this top five pick. But there was no dynamic weapon Aside from Milrow on the ground, which he's more of a Cam Newton type runner, a bigger body, there was no dynamic weapon to threaten defenses. So it made it hard for Alabama to score. And I think Milrow, as well as he played towards the end of the year, is still limited as a quarterback. He he just never really took many chances to go deep. I know it's because of Michigan's defense, and I know that, that Alabama offensive line had a handful dealing with the front seven of the Wolverines just getting to Milrow in what seemed like half a second. But I just never thought this offense was good enough to go win a national title. It would have had to be on the defense. They would have had to force turnovers and force mistakes. And even when they did those things pretty well, it still wasn't good enough because this offense was just not at the caliber that we've seen from Alabama. Again, there's no Mac Jones, no Tua, no Bryce Young. This offense was mediocre. And and they beat up on 
I know we've called the SEC the best conference in football, which they are, but a down year for the SEC. So if you throw Georgia in this game, do you think they beat Michigan? They'd have a better chance than Alabama, in my opinion. But at the same time, you got to give credit to Alabama for staying in the game. They, I mean, they stopped Alabama. If they stopped Michigan on that on that last drive. We're talking about them going up against Washington, and they're probably the favorites. But they go home twelve and two on the season. I think they overachieved for what their roster was at this year. And yeah, that's kind of my breakdown for that game. Let's go to the next one, Washington and Texas. I think this one was way more of a fun watch. 37-31, the Huskies going to the national title game, still 14-0. We'll have two undefeated teams fight it out for the title. And this game was all about Michael Penix Jr., 29-38, of 38, 430 passing yards. That's the fourth most in the college football playoff. That is um, behind, I think, Joe Burrow twice and... Blanking on the other one, but he's up there in the in the record books. Two touchdowns he threw for. Dylan Johnson ran for two touchdowns. And this receiving core, my goodness, Roma Dunze, he is a stud. Six catches, 125 yards. Jalen Polk had 122 yards and a touchdown. Jalen McMillan, 58 yards and a touchdown. This, this offense is just NFL caliber. You've got an NFL caliber quarterback with an NFL caliber receiving core and a defense or an offensive line that give up zero sacks to the Texas defense. Now, on the other hand, obviously Washington's defense is, is not great and almost blew the game, which we'll talk about this ending in a bit, but let's go over Texas. Quinn Ewers, 24, 43, 318 yards, one touchdown, really picked up with their comeback attempt uh, in, in the fourth quarter. He had the touchdown to AD Mitchell. Xavier Worthy only had two catches, 45 yards, really wondered about that there. But I, I think this was, I feel like expected. Washington had the better team. They performed better all year. Texas kind of had to squeak by some big 12 opponents. So did Washington, but Penix was still a threat all year. But again, we, we just need to throw Michael Penix in the first round conversation for quarterbacks. If he wasn't 24 years old, coming off of uh, two ACL injuries over his college career, he would be a, a, a pen in penned in uh, first round pick or top 10 pick potentially. But obviously injury history is important. It's something something you have to think about. But he some of those throws in the tight windows he was making, he he has a cannon. That touchdown to McMillan, the deep ball to Adunze, the accuracy on all of his passes was spectacular. So fun to watch. And looking ahead to Washington and Michigan, I think this game is all about Penix. If he has a good game, Washington will win. If he throws for 400 plus and a few TDs, and obviously Dylan Johnson's going to be back for the for the title game after the injury, this offense is explosive. But if the, that Michigan D line gets to him and he has a couple turnovers, which is not like him for this year, it's going to be all about does the Washington offense control this game? Or is the Michigan defense controlling this game? Because J.J. McCarthy and the Wolverines offense will put up points. This is not a great Washington defense, especially on the pass side. Pass defense is not great. Great play by that defensive back, though, for the Huskies. Uh, Swatting that ball away, no penalty. Great play by that DB. But it is a suspect pass defense, and I think J.J. can have a field day. But the end of this game, how crazy was that? Dylan Johnson getting injured? Stops the clock. Then you rough the the run into the 
the returner give them 15 yards, practically a 15-yard punt for net yards. And then you have Whittington catching that deep ball from Ewers and comes down to the last play. It would have been horrible if Washington lost that game that way because Dylan Johnson just didn't crawl off the field. I think that rule needs to be changed. I mean, if a guy gets injured, a guy gets hurt because what's stopping a Texas player from just going down and saying, oh, I'm cramping. And then it's only a 10-second runoff instead of a 30-second runoff. So crazy, crazy end to that game. And then, yeah, we've got a Washington-Michigan showdown. These are the two best teams in college football. Clearly, they have earned it. I'm excited to watch next Monday. I'm rolling with Michigan, though. This defense is still too big time. I think Blake Corum is going to have a massive game. I say Michigan wins by 10. But do not count out Washington because they are not in the SEC or the Big Ten. This is an NFL caliber offense with a quarterback who's playing the best ball in the country. When you've got that on your side, you've got a chance to win. Those are my thoughts on the college football playoff. Let's switch over to UNC basketball. UNC beat Pitt. 70 to 57 moves to two and O in the ACC. And this was a big one for us because Pitt kind of had our number. We lose three straight to them. We've lost five of the last six, but we go into Pitt, take care of business on a really poor shooting night. 37% from the field, 29% from three point range. Baycott led the way with 16 and 10 RJ 15 points, 4 assists, only shot 6 of 16 from the field. Harrison Ingram with his worst shooting game of the season, 2 of 14 for only 7 points, but he still had his impact felt on the uh, the rest of the game. I think the main point here, Seth Trimble, he is going to be a consistent contributor the rest of the way, and he's going to be a, he's arguably a top 3 to 4 most important player the rest of the year, in my opinion, because when we go up against some guard-heavy teams like Clemson, with Joe Girard and Chase Hunter, who can make threes, and Duke, because they're playing small ball now, and Miami with Nigel Pack and Wuga Poplar. Seth Trimble is going to be the primary defender on the other team's best guard. That's going to be massive. And then if he can score the way he has the past couple games, double-digit games, two games in a row, 10.6 assists, made a three-pointer, three of seven from the field. He's playing aggressive. He's looking to score. That off-the-dribble three-ball he had was just beautiful. No hesitation. He's playing fearless. And if he can be that guy to hop in, especially if someone like Elliott is struggling or in foul trouble, such as last game, huge thing for Hubert to have a reliable player off the bench. We haven't had someone like this for two to three years, maybe. I don't even know if the the Brady Manic team had a guy off the bench we could really rely on like Seth Trimble. He's taken such a good leap and I'm so glad to see the progression because We knew he had it in him, the athleticism, the defensive potential, and he's shown up enough offensively to deserve these key minutes. Now looking towards Clemson, this is a huge game because this is pretty much who's taking the throne right now for the ACC. Clemson did lose to Miami by 13. This was in Miami. Miami shot the ball like crazy, but this This Clemson team is good. P.J. Hall is playing like an all-ACC first-team selection, averaging around 20-6. and And I I remember uh, last year, Hunter Tyson was their main guy, so we shut him down. Leaky held him to three points. But P.J. Hall got going a bit early on. 
He can give us some fits. He can stretch out and shoot the three. He's really good inside, a great finesse player in the post. Obviously, Armando has the size on him, but PJ Hall is just really skilled. And then those guards, Joe Girard, um, my roommate said that it seems like he's been playing basketball for seven years, which I guess you could say the same thing about Baycott. But Joe Girard playing some good ball for Clemson. We know how knocked down of a shooter he is. It always seems like he just... Shoots the ball well against Carolina, and Chase Hunter's solid. Ian Shefflin is a good glue piece. He's kind of their Harrison Ingram in terms of going to do the little things. Might uh, He doesn't score as much as Ingram or as much is as much of a threat, but he's a great rebounder. He's a solid defender. This is a good Clemson team, and this is in Clemson. This is at, uh, at, their, at Little John Coliseum. And winning this one, not obviously, takes us to 3-0, and but it this is to be the front runner in the conference, I think. I think we're going to win this. I think as good as those Clemson guards are on offense, I think you can take advantage on, on uh, of them defensively. Joe Girard, not the best defender. They might try and hide him uh, on, on Cadeau or Trimble when he's in. But... RJ should have an absolute field day getting any shot he wants running that wants running that pick and roll. Cormac, hopefully we get a big game from him or Harrison. One of them really needs to have a really strong shooting game, I think, because I don't think uh, RJ and Armando will be enough for this Clemson team. They're really well coached. And outside of that Miami game, they've been phenomenal all season long. So I'm at, I am going to take UNC. They are uh, it, Clemson is minus one and a half. Going to take UNC by, we'll go by seven. Again, think RJ will have a big game. And then I, I also think this, call me crazy, I guess, this could be a Jalen Withers game. I got a weird feeling. I think Withers, when when Baycott needs a rest, I think Withers is big enough to switch on to PJ Hall, potentially. The thing I like about Withers, as although his basketball IQ is rather low at times, really physical, he's athletic. He, he can guard Shefflin if he wants. I, th- I think he has the capability of being a solid defender and rebounder. And, and when he plays aggressive and when he hustles for those, just those little plays that he does sometimes, I think he can be super valuable off the bench because if PJ Hall gets our guys in foul trouble down low, we're going to need front court help. This could be a, a game you see Zayn High maybe a little bit. Maybe see Jalen Washington a bit more because PJ Hall is going to give this team fits, especially if he finds switches on our smaller lineup. Like, if he gets onto Cormac, or uh, Harrison would deal with him fine. But finding Cormac down there, or even Cadeau, that could, that could spell trouble. Haven't watched too much of Clemson, to be honest. I have, I've really just seen clips and and uh, heard people talk about them. So, I, I'm really excited to see how they play. Obviously, I don't want them to win, but this is a, a good team. This is going to be a great game. They're 16th in the country. We're 8. And... Game's at 12 p.m. Uh, I mean, I'm back in Chapel Hill, so I'll try and find a good way to watch it, whether it's at a bar. If you're in Chapel Hill, go go find somewhere to watch the game. Still no home game until next week. I'm going to try and go to that if I can, but I'm just, I'm just rambling at this point. That's the matchup. And that's going to do it for this episode. I feel like I've kind of hit everything. I like that we're sub-20 minutes. That was my goal. We're going to recap this Clemson game next Monday. Maybe we'll talk a little national championship. Want to talk a little NFL to to talk about the playoffs. The Giants obviously are not in it, but we've got to, we're still going to watch all of it. And then my fantasy team, yes, we have have week 18 in our playoffs and I am up 0.3 and I'm one week away 
from winning the fantasy championship for the first time in God knows how long. I've been knocking on the door for a long time. Hopefully this is the year, but you're going to have to find that out next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.